listening to episode 211 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I know that because it's tattooed on my back. <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we complete our analysis of season one of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse, starring Eliza Dushku and Felicia Day. And we are here on Solar Eclipse 2017 Day. Woo! And one of us has glasses, the other does not. So, listeners, who do you think? You can you can guess. We'll leave it. Yes. We'll let, as yes. they say in the leftovers, we'll let the mystery be. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> how you doing, man? I am doing great. Um, I have just finished my summer of binging Marvel Netflix shows. Okay. I did the, uh, the Defenders in two days. And uh, which brought to a conclusion the uh, whole summer of watching, um, you know, both Daredevils, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and then uh, all of that in anticipation of Defenders, and yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, now I, of course, have not seen all four of the series that lead up to the Defenders because I've only seen Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. And I tried the pilot on Daredevil back when it came out, and I just wasn't drawn in. But now having seen the first four episodes of Defenders, I, I've just gone two a day. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, I, I guess just make it last longer. But I got to tell you, after the first two episodes, I'm thinking like, what the hell? Come on. You only got eight episodes. Let's Let's ramp up the pace here a little bit. Yeah, true, true. I that's I also thought that um I mean once they get together it's pretty cool, but yeah, you're right. It does take a while for them to get there. Right. And and you know, the, like episode 4 when they're in the restaurant, I think that's the one they're in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Which which is, you know, on the one hand, I love the fact that there isn't a lot of action, although there's kind of action going on around them, but just the the four of them forced to sit in that room together it was was just like as you said that was that was really the the height of the show and and i'm hoping at this point it gets better i mean obviously it's trending that way for me so so yeah. we'll see iron fist is a little more uh i don't know i i guess i'm able to accept him a little more he's kind of a whiny character yeah well that's what i said i don't i think iron fist i would put solidly at the the bottom of that of those shows as as far as you know quality and everything but um and I think basically because I just um, I, I don't care for that character quite so much. You know, he's okay, and then like really like you just you like your fist goes yellow and you can punch people really hard. That's that's the superpower, seriously. But yeah, but that, you know, it's okay. And the the action is definitely going to ramp up. You know, for sure. You know, the only thing is, and I'm sure it's no surprise they have these scenes where like all of them are fighting at the same time, and. It's kind of the same thing that bothers me with like Arrow and and stuff is like, you know, they just have these scenes where like every character is like off doing their own fight, and it's just like, you know, I don't know. I I I, I I'm starting to find those kind of scenes like a little tiresome, you know. Like, well, you know, I'm not big on fight scenes in general, right? So, and, but, and I understand you know, I'm in the minority. I think for these type of marvel shows that, that a lot of people that's one of the things they like not that they don't like the character development and all of that because of course they do but still yeah i mean i like i like a good fight scene 
I think a good fight scene is like kind of like in um, I think it's the Born Ultimatum, uh, where he's like fighting the guy in the bathroom, a very close confined space, you know, and like it was just like really cool because that kind of broke like the the cliche of of the the fight scene like in the you know like a bar or some open space where you use plenty of places for the one person to pick up the other person and throw him across the room and then he the guy gets up and wipes off his chin and gives that again and throws the other guy into a table and breaks a bottle over his head and stuff like that but you know you, you get these these group fights these and they just i guess because it's impossible to really make them look not staged you know Sure. Like they just seem so choreographed and so, which of course they are, obviously, you know, it's not like they're really fighting, but, um, you know, when, when I, I'm watching it and I think that, and I feel that it's choreographed and I don't feel like it's real, then that's, you know, that's where, you know, they lose me. Right. Cause I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm out of it. I've stepped out and now I see it. You know, I'm not in, in the in the in the scene. I'm not involved in it now. I'm outside of it. Like and uh, so anyway. But otherwise, uh, pretty good. I like the defenders. Now nice. I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. I mean, I think Luke Cage is still solidly the best of the best of those shows. But um, you know, it's pretty good. Okay. Well, next time we talk, I'll have finished Defenders and perhaps even started Daredevil or Luke Cage in that regard. So yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, as always. Send us an email, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Check out the website, leave us a voicemail, record your own audio clip, send us the MP3 as an attachment, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch, but probably the best thing, join the Facebook group and join the discussions there because, yeah, uh, uh, yeah they've moved some of the, the live discussions for the Friday night sci-fi shows from sci-fi fidelity that Michael and I do for den of geek over to sci-fi TV rewatch. Cause there's a little more traffic there. So that is cool. If you're into those shows, check it out. Dark matter and Killjoys are the two at the moment. I'm sure they will add some as we go along, but sure. dollhouse epitaph one, the final season finale. And we talked a little bit last week about some of the background around it and, and how it got to be made. And, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but one of the interesting things uh, to a certain extent, it's what's called a bottle episode in, in that uh, you, you try on the one hand, a typical bottle episode, you, you try to bring in as few additional actors as you can. You try to use the sets you already have because you're trying to keep costs down, which is, of course, one of the things Joss wanted to do. Now, of course, he did just the opposite in terms of actors. He brought, it, brought in basically a whole new crew, but that was because they were filming it to a, to a large extent concurrently with episode 12. So what they did here was for Epitaph 1, they used the technical crew of 24 which was also a Fox property at the time. Well, I guess hmm. it still is a Fox property. Sure. And and that so the camera people, you know, the the you know, all all of those technical aspects were handled by the twenty four crew. So, you know, that that's kind of uh kind of cool. And then obviously they used the dollhouse. And it it appears now I haven't gone back and watched the original pilot yet, and we're gonna talk about that next week. But I think some of the scenes in Epitaph 1 originally appeared in the unaired pilot. Ah. 
So, okay. uh, and I'm sure you can figure out which ones those are. But anyway, let's get to this one. Epitaph one, episode 13, written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancherowen, directed by David Solomon, who also directed Out of Gas, Firefly. No, oh, okay. he di- directed 19 episodes of Buffy. He did Stage Fright and Spy in the House of Love in season one, Dollhouse. He's done Once Upon a Time, Falling Skies, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grim, Midnight Texas, which is a new show. So, you know, obviously he's done a lot of work. And in terms of guest stars, we had Zach Ward as Zone and Adair Tischler as Iris, neither of whom really, I mean, they've done a lot of one-offs, but not anything you can really. Zach Ward. What else has he been in? Zach Ward. I, once a year, I watch his most famous role. I watch this movie probably at least three, maybe four times. Okay. And and it is? It is a Christmas story. Zach Ward. Who was he? Yeah. Yeah. Guess. Who do you think? Just close your eyes. Think about the face for a second. Ralphie's brother? Nope. He is Scott Farkas. Oh, okay. The bully, you know? Yeah, sure. So perfect. yeah. He was a bully at a young age. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be getting typecast from there on out. But yeah, you know, like I've seen Epitaph one before. And even from the first time I saw it, I see Zach Ward and I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. I know I've seen him somewhere. And and then I go and I pull finally, this this was the first time yesterday when I pulled up his IMDB page, I'm like, oh my God, he was Scott Farkas. Holy cow. <laughs> like as iconic a role as you can you can find man like yeah now you know my background for dollhouse i saw season two as it aired but season one i you know it was in between seasons so i just you know watched them one by one and you get to episode 13 epitaph one and and obviously it was an episode that did not air and it was only on the dvd set but when Felicia Day, who is obviously the most well-known of the additional actors, appears right from the start, it, it, it didn't really hit me at that time because I didn't really know who Felicia Day was. And you know what's interesting? Okay, what's Felicia Day been in? What's she known for? Um, oh, well, she's got like a show now, right? Doesn't she have like her own? Oh, wait, no. That's that, the girl from... Um, well, when I saw this... I knew Felicia Day from the uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along thing or whatever. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I know she's also in, um, what's the, uh, she's with all the gamers. Yeah, it's called The Guild. The Guild, right, yes. It, but what I find interesting, and, and look, uh, no question, I think Felicia Day is great. What amazes me is that when you really sit down and try to think, well, what is she in? What has she been in? What is she known for? These are relatively small projects, and you start to wonder, well, why? She's so good. I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, she's got obviously serious, like, you know, cred as far as the, uh, the, the genre community, but, uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of looking at her. I mean, she you know, was in IMDb Eureka, page, right? And she for a, did a lot of uh, you know guest appearances on Supernatural too. 
Okay. You know, she's, uh, uh, I don't know. Right. She's, she's involved in a lot of stuff. She's busy. Yeah. Well, it, just like I said, I, I think she's great. I know you do. I'm sure the listeners do. So again, I just would love to see her. And, and what we see in, in Epitaph 1, because I think for the most part, w- what we have seen in the past of Felicia Day, it's more of comedic kind of roles. And, and certainly we get anything but that in this episode. So, you know, we talk about paradigm shifts in television and, you know, I think what would have happened had this episode aired as the 13th episode, people would have gone to their remote controls. Wait a minute. Do I have the right channel on? Right. <laughs> because that opening scene and, and I just love how they did it. It's just Felicia Day, you know, there alone. And it's this extended almost 11 minute scene in this post-apocalyptic story street at night fires burning and like what the hell is going on but wow i know you said this if it wasn't last week it was the week before that that this is the strongest episode of the series and and it is there's no question and it's more than just the paradigm shift because we've talked all along about this series being a a warning about the dangers of technology and and certainly that comes out and that that line at the end how does it feel to end the world miss dewitt mm-hmm. and it's like wow yeah yeah exactly it's like i thought about that because at the end you're just like man that was just incredible and do i think that just because they completely rocked the whole world of dollhouse or because it's just in and of itself it's an solidly awesome episode and it is it's just it even if it, you know the whole like you said the paradigm shift where they just completely just flip everything and, and you're just like oh my god you're just mind is completely blown by you know how they have just gone completely the other way but it, in and of itself it's just like how it's set up the the characters that we come to you know, understand and like, but you know, it, just during the course of this one episode, uh, and, and uh, the narrative, how they set it up with the flashbacks and everything, it's just awesome. Just, yeah, it's as it's constructed, right? I mean, we got post-apocalyptic Los Angeles in 2019, ten years later, and then we've got the series of flashbacks to the events that led to the plague, if you will, and I, I liked that in terms of the flashbacks where they just kind of kept moving ahead incrementally to the point where we we get to the dollhouse as we know it but now DeWitt is basically housing safe haven for these people whoever they are so right you know we'll right. We'll, we'll get to that but it I guess it's fair to say that these remote wipes that we learned about early in the season were the precursor of this apocalypse because we find out that it was really started by the telephone. And then we, we get that scene with, with Topher and DeWitt later on about answering the phone or actually not answering the phone. Right. Yeah. And what a, what a great scene there. And, uh, Fran Kranz just like knocked that one out of the park, you know, like seeing, uh, Topher, in a way we never dreamed we would see Topher, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, whether he's working through a psychotic break, which I guess is really what has happened to him. But, you know, let's get back to the the opening scene because it goes on for about 10 and a half minutes. And and we see Mag, who is Felicia Day's character, and she's on a street at night. She's with a small group. and, And one of the first things they say as soon as they communicate, ditch the tech which is referring to the walkie-talkies that they're using. But we get a lot of terminology thrown at us in this episode that, you know, on on one viewing, it's easy to miss a lot of it. And it's almost like you have to go back and write stuff down because uh, they mentioned that someone got printed, so they put them down. Now, of course, we know what it means to be printed, but why do they have to put them down? So, so we're, we're introduced to the terms wielders, butchers, and dumb shows. And right. then, of course, actuals. Right. As so, well as whole, torn, printed, mutter. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, obviously, we know what a dumb show is. That's a doll. Right? Well, we don't know at the time because we don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're as thrown we into through- this, and we're just like, what? You know, like we have no, absolutely no idea, like why the you know it shows us this Los Angeles 2019, but why is Los Angeles like this? Why are these people with guns running around? Why does she have to throw away the the walkie-talkie? What's with all these people running around? We yeah, you know, we just don't know, and they're throwing all these new terms at us and like it really and truly has brought us into a completely new world like they're world building right from the first second of this show absolutely and and we find that they're trying to get underground but we don't know do they mean that literally or figuratively and i think in a sense both would be the perfect scenario Right, right but they do literally mean underground because that's when they're free of the wireless signals that that are really at the at the heart of all of this but they also mentioned the desert which i guess was one of their options clearly that must be considered safe so i'm not sure what deserts are out there in california i guess where's the mojave desert and i guess in Uh, arizona there's a lot of desert areas Yeah, nevada right but you know as they're trying to escape who are these people that zone is shooting and killing Right. Are they wiped or printed? And and I go back to dumb shows because, I mean, I think, you know, what we do learn is that a dumb show would be certainly closely akin to a doll. We don't know whether it has the basic doll operating system architecture that we've talked about before because, you know, Mr. Miller, I mean, he seems pretty zoned out. It doesn't even seem as if he has the basic doll state uh, software. Right, because he doesn't say anything until they – you know, imprint them. Right. So is a dumb show somebody that's just wiped clean? I kind of think so. But what's the deal with the butchers and the wielders? It's almost as if sort of, I mean, look, how can you not think about a zombie apocalypse? In other words, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the the creatures coming after them, just ready to tear them apart. So what's up with that? And we don't really get an answer there. No, you know, the best that we get is what Topher says. You know, like you can create an army in an instant, you know. Whoever answers the phone gets remotely, I guess, wiped slash printed with whatever you want this army to do. And it, but apparently 
what they want the army to do is to destroy the entire world, which I don't know if that, whoever started this thing, if that's what they really intended, but that's, you know, that's the thing about, and like a big theme of this is that, you know, like the, the consequences of, you know, technology when we don't consider, you know, like what, what the consequences could be, what could, there's unintended consequences that, that they could be. Right. You know, technology in the hands of the responsible or <laughs> arguably the responsible is, is one thing, but technology in the hands of the populace at large, which is, I guess, apparently what's happened here. But, but again, I like the fact that, you know, we don't really know, you know, what's happened here. And the, I guess the nice thing is that, you know, sitting back now, uh, eight years later, we understand that there is an episode epitaph two, mm-hmm. which addresses a little bit. Of course, at the time, we didn't know we were going to get epitaph two, and and when season two starts, we assume you know that's where we're going to pick up. But we hear about actuals. I'm assuming an actual is an original individual who has not been wiped nor printed, right? With something else. Okay. So, you know, what the butchers are, who knows, but uh, they're trying to get underground. Literally, they descend eight stories into what we recognize almost immediately as the dollhouse. Yeah, I see like that horizontal, I don't even know what to call it, like kind of paneling that is on the uh, the top floor there. And, and you know, yeah, like right away, we, I mean, we know the minute there's a hole in the ground and they go down into it, okay, we know where they're going. Yeah. Right. And you know, one one of the things that I noticed on my rewatch this time is, is that apparently the dollhouse was on the news because these people recognize certain elements of the dollhouse, particularly the chair. And it doesn't take them long to figure out that this is the origin of the tech that dropped, brought down the world. And I love when that one character, Griff, says, we just walked into paradise, which, mm. again, of course, we know – yeah. It's it's anything but not so be, much. Right. Not so much. Well, and there is this basic, you know, conflict between Griff and Zone where Zone is completely like I can't believe you're going to use this stuff. Like, you know, like he, I think he says, you know, isn't our our motto, you know, something uh, I can't find. It. I, I wrote it down somewhere, but you know, it's basically say, oh, no tech ever. That's our theme song. Right? Yeah. So you know, Zone is just like, what are you doing? Like, let's, you know, like the minute they unveil the chair and turn it on, he says, tech, and he points his gun at it like he's about to shoot it. But Griff, on the other hand, is feels that they need to use this. And which, like, to me is kind of baffling because, you know, I, I get, like, Griff's point of view. Like, their technology is, com- is completely dangerous. They can be remotely wiped from anywhere, anytime. Why are you going to go and mess around with this stuff? You know, right? And, and and that's the one thing that's keeping me from possibly giving it an A plus is that there are a lot of leaps that we make here, and, and and certainly that's one of them. And another is that well, we're too far underground for the wireless signal. And then somebody mentions, well, what about it? it's hardwired? And then the other woman says, oh no, I saw some fiber optics and they were cut. I'm like that is the only place fiber optics yeah. might be going in this, <laughs> this right. but okay I, I'll, I'll go with it 
Yeah. Well, you know, obviously they they have to do that because they have to, you know, we have to find out what went on by Griff going back chronologically through the uh, memories that are, that I guess Topher has left there for anyone who shows up that has a doll hanging around like, Hey, let's, you know, let's just start pumping memories into someone. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a leap, but also one that, you know, we get how, you know, narratively speaking is necessary. Now, see, you said that Topher left and you know, that's what I thought. That's what I initially had in my notes, but I'm not so sure it wasn't echo. Right. So, you know, as we go, I, I, I'm still not sure that it was Echo, but, um, you know, that w- that was something that, that struck me. I did love the fact that when they first get in and they're in Topher's office, it's like, what is this, like a daycare? It looks like a, yeah. <laughs> a, a little playroom. Right. And the other thing that, that on my first, and when I say my first watch, my first watch for this podcast, obviously I've seen it, I uh, saw it twice, you know, way back, but iris relaxes in the chair and i'm thinking like oh okay iris is caroline so she's comfortable with that chair but no she's not caroline at that point right she's just some older woman that apparently got dumped in this kid's body right right and and you know that that in retrospect then all right why would you sit in that chair i mean on the one hand you could make the case why would echo sit in that chair (laughs) But as I said, you know, they recognize the chair. They must have seen it on the, the news. And then they discover the, the chair's working interface. And it mentions a cure. A cure of what? Yeah. You know? well, I, we assume with whatever is, you know, going on in the apocalypse outside. Right. So is it, but I mean, is the cure that your original self can be restored and anything that was imprinted on you will disappear i i you know i mean usually we think of a cure in terms of medicine and and here Mm -hmm. it's it's technology so it's a little different but again i like the fact that we don't really get an answer to it but but that we know that something is out there and then of course this is the point that they load a memory into mr miller and and again another leap this sophisticated technology was kind of easy for these people to figure out okay Yeah, it didn't. uh, It didn't take much, right? But but yeah, again, you know, and you know, it's it's so funny here. I'm usually the one nitpicking like this and everything. Um, All right, so so they load a memory into Mister Miller, and you know, it's of a man, and you know, it's we assume it's Topher, but we don't really we know. And then here's where we start cutting to the flashbacks. Which again, the way the episode was constructed, I I just thought was brilliant, and, and we'll deal with the flashbacks all together. I think that probably will make more sense to do that. But they discover the showers, and you know that, that, that's one of these little points that no matter what show it is in these post-apocalyptic, Lynn sees the showers. I haven't had a shower in over a year. Hell yes! I mean, I'm surprised they all didn't get down there and. Um, well, they didn't have a chance because she got killed, right? Yeah, you were right, right. And then and probably then, the rest of them were like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to take a shower. Right. And of course, we learn later that it was Iris that kills her. Um, right. And, and, and we get that idea that they tattoo their real names on their backs 
so that if there's ever any doubt, they can prove who they are. And, you know, it's, it's at this point we're introduced to terms we've already talked about, actuals, dumb shows, and they decide it's time to birthmark Iris. And, you know, when we learn what Iris's deal really is, I guess at this point, you know, this woman's figuring, okay, I need to get out of this little kid's body the first chance I get. So I don't care what you tattoo on her back. Right. It, it, it doesn't matter. But then when they're going up those stairs, we see that view through the stairs that we've talked about a couple times recently, uh, especially with Alpha, who's kind of freaked out that something might come through and grab them. And I, I think we're almost expecting something might reach through and grab them. Right, right, yeah. You know. But it's definitely like the creep factor. And there's all kinds of creep factor in this, actually, because um, I guess we said Lynn was the character's name who you know, takes a shower and of course any shower post psycho is going to be kind of a little creepy and, and, you know, because, you know, it's a place where you're vulnerable, right? You, you, your eyes are closed, you're underneath the water, you're not focused on what's around you. So when you're in a, you know, a post apocalyptic scenario, uh, you know, showers can be scary. And of course she kind of sees something, you know, out of the corner of her eye, it seems like some kind of movement, and then, uh, you know, and then she gets killed again, you know, just like in kind of not as brutally as in Psycho, but still, you know. Yeah. What do you think that movement was? Uh, I just assumed it was Iris doing like something, you know, sketchy. But see, I wonder whether it was whiskey because they mm. acclimate themselves to the dollhouse and then whiskey appears and tells them, you know, I've always been here. And of course, you know, you mentioned Zone ready to pull the trigger you know, right away on tech, on, on her, you understand where he's coming from. Not unlike Mr. Dominic, who makes a return in this episode, which yep. was nice. It's nice to see Reed diamond again. Yeah, it's great. Right. But you understand having that attitude, right? You know, sometimes it's better to shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. And then she gets their attention when she asks them if they're looking for safe Haven but of course, some of them pass it off as an urban myth until she claims to know the way to safe haven and points at the chair, which then certainly puts mm. Zone back to where he was before, which is, no, let's shoot her. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and then she says, uh, right, I know where the food is. And he says, if you point that freaking chair, I will end you. Because <laughs> yeah. like she says, I know where safe haven is. Like, oh, really? Safe haven? Where is it? And she points to the chair and they're like, oh. <laughs> so yeah. um so yeah great line there i like that right and then of course iris shoots and kills griff because you know it, it seems like he's getting a little too close to you know, getting in the way of what it is she wants to do she makes it appear the old man did it but the next thing you know whiskey gets in the chair what's she trying to remember and and again we don't really get any answers with whiskey but we get some, you know, you mentioned Eerie, that first scene of Whiskey standing down there, almost like Lady Macbeth on stage by herself with blood all over her hands, mm -hmm. which I don't think is fair to ascribe that to Whiskey because it's, it's really on Topher and DeWitt, not not her, obviously. Right. But just that that visual, that's just really, really frightening. Mm -hmm. so, so they imprint the little girl with Caroline's wedge. And she recognizes Dr. Saunders, 
tells her that her name is Whiskey. Yeah, Caroline it, wouldn't know that, right? Caroline would have no idea of what and who Whiskey is. No, she she knows. She clearly knows. You think? Yeah, yeah. Because, because if this is Caroline's original wedge, when well, she came in, it's not her original wedge. Oh, it's, it's not. No, no, it's Caroline right before she left. Because oh, remember, okay. at the end, she's like, you know, tell. Oh, make uh, a copy. Yeah, we got to make a bunch of copies of me. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So as you know, the party is crashed by the uh, zombies or what are we calling them now? I forgot. Already. The butchers, I guess. The butchers and wielders. So they decide they've got to get out and whiskey buys them time. She activates the mist. And again, that, that scene where she's sitting, holding onto the railing, you know, we, we we've seen that, that scene before, and she's just looking down on the lounge area as the mist knocks out all of the intruders and or maybe kills them or maybe kills them right because the the amount of gas maybe was was certainly too much because right i mean before we would never see the actual mist i mean we knew it was in the air but certainly only enough to allow the dolls to sleep and then that final scene how fitting in dewitt's office kids playing with matches and they burn down the house caroline yep. says yeah and and then that photo board of you know ordinarily it's like a photo board of the missing and I, I, even though it says remembrance i guess in a way it is of the missing right well and and to remember their you know original selves you know i guess original bodies right right and, and then that line she says i hope we find me alive yeah <laughs> which is just just awesome right great a little kid (laughs) yeah she's like i gotta go through puberty again (laughs) yeah all right so so we uh get to the flashbacks that are interspersed you know after the the about the 10 11 minute mark and we see that scene and i see i think this is a scene that may be in the unaired pilot where she's explaining the basics of the dollhouse to a client and Mm -hmm. you know this is that you know, we hear her you know, utter that line. This is about what you need, right? And and it's at this point we figure, okay, that's the memory that whether it was Topher or Echo that left it for somebody to find. It, it I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's right. A, that was the you know. So whoever found it, this well, is that, what not you say it. You're, you're. It's probably Caroline. But well, they did mention about the the kind of scattered organization of the memories. Um, which would suggest Topher did it. Yeah. Well, that's true. Caroline would be the one who would be thinking we should leave something behind in case someone finds us. So they know where to find us, I guess. Right. Exactly. And so I don't know. know, It's also the, the point at which it comes out about, you know, basically the sexual nature of a lot of these engagements that these, you know, rich, mostly men, certainly we did have the one episode where it was a, was a woman but then we also see the genesis of Topher's dollhouse employment and i was wondering what are where they recruited him from right yeah somewhere smart uh, yeah, yeah exactly and then again we're, we're reintroduced to dominic who again has a point cities don't burn because everyone got smarter right they, they burn because they lost control yeah, and you know, like you said, once again, um, 
we find ourselves kind of agreeing with with Mr. Dominic. Yeah. You know? Like and, he's like the one who's kind of seeing things clearly here. Right. And the interesting thing, when we find out that he really was a government spy, but that his purpose was to make sure that the dollhouse did not bring itself down. Well, obviously he failed in his mission. You know, yeah. I mean, he well, he got, best. he got addict. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He, he and, stuck and, in the attic, which is like, yeah. you know, basically his, which ironically was his kind of downfall was his, you know, kind of zealous desire to put echo in the attic. And, you know, we see Topher arrogant right from the start, but he, right away he displays his worth pointing out how to greatly reduce the imprinting time to which DeWitt tells Dominic, get this man a refrigerator. Yeah, get this man a refrigerator. <laughs> All right. So we, we see then in, in a later uh, flashback that Ballard is now Echo's handler, but she is way past self-aware. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now. I don't think she's been reprinted with her Caroline wedge, but for whatever is happening to her, she knows what's going on. And clearly these two are working together, but we don't really know to what end they're working. Right. right. Well, and it's, you know, Paul's mission has seemingly uh, moved beyond um, getting Caroline out. Right. Yeah, because she's and, and she, completely self-aware. I mean, Caroline is definitely in when they imprint her. Her the Caroline part does not get wiped, right? And and she tells him that you've got to pick up the pace, but we don't really know of what. Right. We find out that Boyd and Doctor Saunders now have a relationship, and that her name is Claire. And and right away, I guess we should address it now. We notice, well, wait a minute, she doesn't have her scars anymore. Yeah, you know, that's they, they mentioned that later, and that's when I was first like, oh yeah, right, you know, like the scars are gone. Um, so and yeah, we see that on Victor as well in, in mm-hmm. his scene that's coming up next. But Boyd is leaving, and he is in a big hurry, right? As if something imminent is about to happen. Well, so imminent that he's leaving claire behind right he can't take her with him the best he can give her is i promise i'll be back right why is he leaving why doesn't he take her we don't really get the answers to those questions our next flashback we see victor in a suit and he's you know down in the kitchen eating this lobster dinner or something like that and and we realize in a minute that it's actually a Rossum executive that I think we've, we've met this Rossum executive before. I can't remember the name. I didn't write it down. Um, hold on, I think I wrote it down. But as Topher says, he came in on a flash drive <laughs> so that his consciousness was imprinted on Victor's body. He informs DeWitt and Topher that they're now going to provide select clients with complete anatomy upgrades for a nine-figure sum which yeah. didn't hit me until I really thought about it. I'm like, whoa, at a minimum, that's $100 million. Yeah, yeah. So so we're at a point that we talked about before, the idea of living forever. Well, here it is. Yeah. And Rossum is going to offer it. Yep, and, and it's and, Mr. Ambrose is the uh, 
oh, the right. executive. And um, yeah, and this is exactly what basically, especially with the episode Haunted, uh, you know, the, the, the warning was here is that, you know, once we are able to do this, like give a person life after death, um, you know, who's, who's not going to want that? Yeah. Right. But only the ultra rich will be able to afford it or anarchy takes over. And then it's yeah. uh, Darwin rules. And, uh, she starts talking about the moral and ethical aspect, which is sort of ironic because that that's certainly been a, a focal point of the series to this point. You know, mostly she's questioned by Boyd and then later Ballard about the morality of what it is they're doing. She's worried about the laws of humanity. And he basically tells her, you know what? We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. It's time to pick sides. And yeah, thinking, he- All right. What are the sides, though? Yeah, exactly. He voices a lot of stuff that we've been talking about, how the dollhouse is, you know, basically has, you know, clients slash supporters slash, you know, board members, whatever, at the highest levels of everything. And so, yeah, he's like, who's going to stop us? You know, no one. There's no one. Absolutely. And he's, and he's totally right. But clearly, it, it went badly wrong. Right, and and he tells her that I'm in 10 other bodies at this moment at other dollhouses giving the same speech. But I think what really uh, is the most powerful visual of, of this scene is Topher just standing off to the side looking like we have never seen him before. He is mm-hmm. just totally shaken Yep. because yep. he knows this is a step down a path that he only joked about before and whether it's really hit him what his level of responsibility is here is unknown but regardless he sees where we're headed yeah and it certainly looks like this is kind of like the first time when he's really starting to take a step back and say what have i done you know um not what am i doing it's what have i done it's already been done uh his you know blind pursuit of uh these advances in technology without ever stopping to you know consider whether he should do what he's doing um have you know brought us to this point and now he's just now realizing that and then we see the results is that he ultimately the the burden of his responsibility for all this uh you know basically breaks him right and out of desperation Dominic is recalled from the attic in part, I guess, because Boyd left and DeWitt needed him and, and he gets a few digs in right. And rightly so sure you you can understand that tells her, Hey, this is what I predicted. But then she tells him that there might be a way to stop it, that there might be a defense against being imprinted. And I guess this is the cure, but apparently Caroline has it. Right. So is their goal find Caroline? Uh, No. Yeah. Well, obviously we know Caroline comes to them at the end of the episode, but yes, but then we cut to Victor and Sierra preparing to leave the dollhouse together, which again, it takes us back to the scenes in which he was fascinated uh, and actually uh, 
exhibited some man reactions, if you recall. <laughs> but but tumescence, I believe they called it. Right, but that attraction he has to her and her understanding eventually that he was trying to protect her and and you know we we learn from what eventually so you know in, in a shipping perspective these two characters you know is this that first step because he he says something or does something a physical and 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 she kind of pulls back a little bit and he's like oh yeah okay right i okay that's not going to happen or right. i forget exactly what he says yeah, I but can't remember it, it, But yeah, it seemed like, well, there was at least a suggestion that maybe they had a, you know, their relationship was a romantic one or they had considered that or something, but that it was something that was either in the past or was something that couldn't happen at all. Right. Yeah. But what comes out of their conversation is that the technology is going wild and that people are stealing bodies. So I guess the thought is that, Okay, I've you know I've got my consciousness. Uh, let me find an attractive body, whatever would be attractive. You know, I want to be a great athlete, so I want to you know this kind of body, or I want a hot chick, or a hot dude, or whatever. But apparently, people are stealing bodies, and, and I'm assuming then imprinting their own consciousness in that body as mm-hmm. basically you know a body upgrade as. Um, God, I forgot his name already again. You just <laughs> Ambrose. said <it>. Ambrose <laughs> uh, tells her. And so I- instead of needing $100 million to get this body upgrade, uh, do it for free. So. Yep. Okay. All right. So, uh, but th- there's there's one thing that they, that they say. Um, I can't remember which one it says, but I think Sierra says, uh, you don't want to end up like November. And then the other one says, which one? Yeah. And that is like just a creepy, creepy line, you know? Right. And then, you know, as she's uh, showing him that she had her real name tattooed on her back, we learn that Victor hid the original wedges, including Caroline. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So we find out the house has fallen. Is this safe haven? Because we see all of these people, and they're almost having some sort of, at first it seemed like a religious ceremony, but then it seemed more like, I think DeWitt calls it circle. So right. so some sort of uh, you know counseling session. Yeah, but it seems but, like there's definitely religious elements to it with the, the chanting. They actually have like a prayer. Um, I, I can't remember what, yeah, something about, you know, I... I pray for my memories or something like that. So, I mean, to, to say it's, it's a, a religious service would not be far off the mark, I don't think. Okay. And it seems as if DeWitt and Saunders are all that's left. Of course, we see Topher, who's now living in one of the sleep pods, has lost it emotionally, intellectually, a, you know, a psychotic break. And DeWitt, God, I mean, again, it's, it's a side of her that we've never seen because I think she understands to a certain extent that she's responsible for him being in this state when the reality is he was an adult he knew what he was doing he knew the risks but she mothers him in this state it's just really sweet even though we know how tragic it is for both of them Mm -hmm. yeah she definitely is uh very maternal uh, towards Topher, and and it is it's um, it's it's sweet and it's sad at the same time. You know, 
you know, Topher, he was always kind of like a laugh, right? He was funny and good old joking Topher and everything. Uh, and and now we we see him like this, and it's like much more serious and and the the consequences that we see here and Dewitt's how she cares for him is is sweet and and very kind and and nice and uh, like like you said uh, we're used to the the very tough hardcore Dewitt right the the boss lady um, and to see her in this nurturing maternal role is you know just almost as shocking as to see Topher in in his kind of you know, unbalanced uh, role. Right. And he realizes he's responsible for it. And he brings up the question, is it curiosity or arrogance? And why he didn't anticipate where all of this ended up. And I think to a large extent, you have to say it was arrogance. A little both probably, you know? Well, sure. But but yeah, mostly the arrogance, I agree. All right, so we, we start to hear some pounding as if somebody's trying to break through a wall, which, of course, they are. So you see everybody arming themselves and preparing for what's going to come through that wall. And we see DeWitt with a gun for the first time in the series. And apparently Olivia Williams lobbied Joss for this detail that, that <laughs> apparently she'd been lobbying him for a while. You know, let me have a scene with a gun. <laughs> so she gets it. Echo and Ballard return. Uh, through the wall and echo mentions the compound and that they have alpha to thank. Yeah. So uh, apparently there is somewhere safe that, you know, she's Moses, I guess going to lead them to the promised land, but we don't know what that means that they have alpha to thank. Somehow alpha has gone from slicing them up to helping them out. Okay. So that that was a that's a a crazy. I think the first time I saw this, I actually had to rewind that because I'm like, did she just say what I think she just said? You know, because we literally just had the episode where Alpha was the big bad, and he you know is you know slicing up Victor and killing people and threatening to shoot Caroline's wedge and everything. And you know, like now the very next episode, um, you know, apparently he is helping them out somehow. Right. And, you know, last we left him, he was climbing up a ladder to escape, which, as right. you point out, <laughs> yes. doesn't seem to make much sense. But Right. And they did it again. Right. But this time it made a little bit more sense. Right. But but again, then we get that scene where Caroline and DeWitt you know, basically are confronting each other. And, and DeWitt's under no illusions. Have you come to save me or kill me? Right. And Caroline's not ready to let her off the hook <sighs> that easily. And I love the fact that we don't really get an answer as to what, yeah. what her what result is going to be. Yeah. We, uh, I would, it's Caroline, so we assume she she didn't kill her, but she looked like she might. Well, and, and I think certainly because it's Caroline that I think we assume that she would not kill her. But I would think that she would recognize you know, the remorse you know, in DeWitt. And right. you know, if she saw how DeWitt was handling Topher, I, I think she would have to try to save both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I just think anything else would be uh, unbelievable. But then that line, as we, we said at the top of the show, the recognition of what really happened, 
kids playing with matches and they burn down the house. And, um, you know, just what a great metaphor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You should write that down. You can use that this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, When no you show up at TAF 1. Um, right. Well, hey, it's it's in the uh, curriculum, right? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Did you not know that? Yeah. I, put, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had, had this, uh, it's been in the curriculum since for the last uh, like five years or so, or maybe four, I guess, but yeah. God, how did I not know that? Jeez, I might have to come back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have a room anymore, so. Yeah, good point. All right. So, <laughs> so it's got my stuff one, in it. One of the things that also, and I've noticed this for a while now, and it's, it's I guess, a little thing, but what is it with DeWitt and the T? Well, you know, when, whenever we see her, is yep, but they, the 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 cups that she uses have, yeah, you know, I, I think an Asian feel to them, uh-huh. as opposed to British teacups that would you know that probably have that blue and white design and would certainly have a handle and a saucer. Yet she's got this, you know, these little green cups. I I just there's there's got to be something there that I'm missing the significance of that. I I just I don't know, but I noticed it again in the scene with the guy where she's explaining what the concept of the dollhouse really is. But um hmm. I never you know, really just, thought about. It. I know she's just you know I, now that you mention it like I'm kind of picturing what you're talking about, but I, yeah, I never thought about that really. Okay. So, what happened to Dr. Saunders? And whiskey, um, you know, why is she appearing as whiskey? I mean, she clearly knows how to use the chair, right? Why would she just not imprint her original self back into this body? Well, I, I again, that's a good question. I don't really think there's necessarily a, an easy answer to that, but you know, we can maybe assume that since she chose to stay behind she probably thought whiskey was better able to handle the you know the the loneliness or whatever or she maybe just created a whiskey that would not go crazy being isolated and alone down here okay that makes sense you know, so i don't yeah, know i mean i mean certainly it's possible she knows what brought her to the dollhouse to begin with although we you know, of course was it last week or the week before where she doesn't look in her file right right yeah that was but, two weeks ago right i think okay but Maybe at this week. point so much has transpired that that you just never know but but you know like what you said you know certainly makes sense but i you know it's just uh, just what, what an amazing episode and yeah. and you know Joss created this with the possibility that it was likely the series finale mm-hmm. and as a series finale I mean I, I still get chills I'm getting chills now thinking about yeah. it. it just what a wonderful conclusion I mean certainly it's dark it's disturbing but I mean as a cautionary tale it's it's difficult to do it any better yeah absolutely it, it is probably like i said i mean not just the best episode of dollhouse but one of the best single episodes of of any show that i've ever seen and it just yeah it's like i said it's not perfect but it's just so so well done 
Um, and especially with all these themes that we've kind of been toying with uh, throughout our discussion of Dollhouse, of you know how the danger of technology and not thinking through the consequences of, of things and just pursuing things for its own sake and you know taking the human element out of consideration. Well, here we see this is what happens when you do that, you know, and the arrogance of people like Ambrose who thinks, well, we can just do whatever we want. Well, you know, clearly doing whatever you want didn't work out quite so well. Yep. And I mean, certainly we live in an age where science is, has reached a point where, you know, I mean, you, you could argue we've already headed down that road in a number of areas and, and many of them do deal with eugenics and genetics. So it's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah right. Is, that's like the scary thing. It's like, you know, really how far are we from this? Like that, and that's w- what good science fiction does, right? Good science fiction says, okay, well, this is an imaginary world, but yet is it so far off from our world? Yeah. And I would argue, no, it's not. And, yeah. and the other thing that's just so great about this episode, which is probably why you chose to put it in the curriculum, that as a standalone, we get enough information enough backstory about what the dollhouse is and what it was so that it can make sense to somebody that's never seen the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Which again, which is why, like I said, the, the narrative choices they make are just so masterful yeah, for exactly what you said. You know, like you don't, you don't really need to have seen the previous 12 episodes to get into this one. Yep. So, all right. Anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, not really. It's just like that whole thing where, like, you know, I mean, I, you know, we know we find out more about what happened in the next season, especially Epitaph Two. Um, we know but, what we know. Right. 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 I, yeah, I know what I know. Right. That. Uh, that. That. That whole concept of like just exactly what happened. You know, like Topher says that. You know, like. Apparently, you know, you can make an army by just, you know, sending out a signal on the phone. Well, who would do that? Why would they do that? You know, why would, you know, and then you, now you're creating a, the people who answered the phone and the people who didn't answer the phone. And you got two different sides. And and clearly, you know, some is, you know, is, is someone behind this, basically, I guess is the question. You know, we have... We see the world is falling apart. We see it's split into people who have been printed and people who aren't printed. And who's is there someone controlling the imprintings, right? Or is it just completely out of control? Well, you know, there is that line that, that I forget who mentions it, that China sent some sort of wave out across the world, implying that not not necessarily that China initiated this, but that it is taking advantage of the situation as as it stands. I forget who said that. I've got it in here somewhere, but um, but I don't know. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. Yeah. 
Well, because I mean, there's just we don't have any answers at this point, right? It's just like, um, and that's again part of the the mastery of it is that there, we have these questions at the end still of like, basically, what exactly happened and why did it happen and and everything, um, that's left for a for another day. It is for another day, exactly. So. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today, which is Solar Eclipse Day 2017. Love to hear what you think about Dollhouse, Epitaph One, anything else in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails are at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails, you can hit up with the SpeakPipe tab on the website. And we'll be back next week to talk about the Dollhouse unaired original pilot titled Echo. But until then. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of this uh, listener feedback we got the other week. So I don't know. I'll just read it out to you and you can tell me what, what you think they're talking about. It says, you guys kill everyone who's printed. Bigots. <laughs>